It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do, that's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. Here are the stories we're following today. Big tech earnings. They will once again be the theme for markets this week. And the NASDAQ will be in the spotlight after Friday's nearly 2% surge. And as we hear from two of the biggest tech companies, Bloomberg's John Tucker has a preview. Apple and Amazon are both scheduled to report quarterly results after the closing bell on Thursday. Investors will be watching for more about Apple asking suppliers to keep iPhone shipments flat year on year. We're also hearing Apple expects revenue to grow through price hikes for iPhone Pro models. Apple's resilience on Chinese manufacturing also of concern because of souring relations between Washington and Beijing. And investors will likely be interested in anything that Apple says about AI. As for Amazon, Bloomberg Intelligence says watch to see if strength in streaming and advertising will be offset by slowing consumer and enterprise spending. Also, anything about online shopping and Amazon's push into pharmacy and grocery will be of interest. In New York, I'm John Tucker, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, John, thanks. Well, earnings are also very much in focus overseas, and that has Heineken investors crying in their beer this morning. We get the details from Bloomberg's Ewan Potts in London. Ewan, good morning. Good morning, Karen and Nathan. First half, operating profits slumping 22% on an adjusted basis at Heineken. The world's second largest brewer reporting beer volumes dropping more than expected after its biggest price hikes in a decade. This as it struggles to pass on high raw material costs to consumers without driving them to cheaper brands. Heineken shareholders waking up to a nasty hangover this morning with shares down as much as 6.5%. More widely, we're two-thirds of the way through European earnings season and according to research from Bloomberg Intelligence, 50% of companies have so far beaten consensus. In London, I'm Ewan Potts, Bloomberg Daybreak. Okay, Ewan, thank you. Staying in Europe, Italy's economy unexpectedly contracted in the second quarter. Gross domestic product shrank by three-tenths of one percent from the previous three months. That's much worse than the zero growth analysts surveyed by Bloomberg had expected. Well, back here in the U.S., Nathan, the big economic event comes on Friday with the July jobs report. Meantime, economic heavyweights are weighing in on where U.S. growth growth goes from here. Minneapolis Fed President Neil Kashkari says rate hikes will probably result in job losses and slower growth. And that makes him optimistic on the fight against inflation. Overall, I think that the inflation outlook is quite positive, that it should be slowly diminishing from here. But again, we've just continued to be surprised by the dynamics of this reopening economy. And so we can't prejudge it. We have to let the data actually guide us. Minneapolis Fed President Neil Kashkari made the comments on Face the Nation from CBS. Sketch the program every Sunday on Bloomberg Radio. Meantime, in Asia, Karen, central banking dominated the overnight trading session thanks to a surprise move from the Bank of Japan. The BOJ has stepped into the bond markets with unscheduled purchases to bring down yields. That's after Japanese yields hit their highest level in nine years. Bloomberg's Paul Dobson says the bank is clearly sending a message. 
you know, the BOJ is trying to tell us something with this move. And what I think it's trying to tell us is it doesn't want a kind of, you know, unseemly dash for the exit here. It doesn't mm. want to see a lot of volatility in the bond market. It doesn't want to see us out 1% yields tomorrow, even though it said that, OK, they can go up towards that level. Bloomberg's Paul Dobson says there is no clarity as to when the BOJ might intervene again. And the yen has weakened on the news. It is currently trading at 142.43 against the dollar. Well, economic data from China is also in focus, Nathan. Economic activity lost more steam in July as manufacturing contracted and the services sector weakened. That has traders expecting more stimulus measures from the government. Bloomberg's Rebecca Chung-Wilkins has more from Hong Kong. Certainly sort of pessimistic tone in terms of the data itself, but that's quite a contrast with what we've seen in the market's response. And market's really betting on the promise of policy support here. We still haven't seen many concrete, tangible, moves. But again, in a way, this sort of weaker data that we're seeing coming out of China reinforcing the expectations that policymakers will have to take more uh, comprehensive actions, particularly after we've seen this sort of dovish, this tilt to a more dovish tone. Bloomberg's Rebecca Chung-Wilkins says stocks in China rose more than a half of a percent overnight. In corporate news, Karen Walmart has paid $1.4 billion to buy Tiger Global Management's remaining stake in Flipkart. The transaction values the Indian e-commerce giant at $35 billion. That's according to a letter sent by Tiger to investors that was obtained by Bloomberg News. Well, we're also keeping an eye on Mattel this morning, Nathan. Barbie, once again, the number one movie in the country, earning another $93 million in its second weekend. Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer remains in second, earning another $46.2 million. And in uh, political news, Karen, former President Donald Trump's super PAC says its legal bills are piling up. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has the story. With the number of charges against Donald Trump and the Mar-a-Lago classified information case growing to 40, his fundraising pack, Save America, is due to announce today it has spent $40.2 million on legal costs just in the first half of the year. The group has already begun calling back donations it has made to other action committees, and there's concern that this will really dent the spending the group can do to try to get candidates elected. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. Time now to take a look at some of the other stories making news in New York and around the world with Bloomberg's Michael Barr. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. Rip currents on New York beaches have claimed the lives of two teenagers in the past week. Off Coney Island, a 15-year-old boy was discovered late Saturday night after getting caught in a current Thursday afternoon while playing with his younger brother in an area under red flag warnings. Another massive search at Jacob Reese Beach in Queens on Friday after a rip current took under a teenage swimmer identified a body as 19-year-old Amadou Tim. Hours later, this man spotted the body. Just kept seeing like a little shadow out the water and we got close. I put my flashlight on it and it was him. According to the National Weather Service, rip currents are the third leading cause of weather-related deaths. Ukraine is apparently intensifying its drone strikes on Russian soil, hitting targets in Moscow. Meanwhile, Russia backed Ukraine's second-largest city, Kharkiv, overnight as heavy battles were reported around a score of locations. Kiev says Ukraine will begin talks with the United States this week about security guarantees the U.S. will make to Ukraine while its application to NATO remains pending. Former U.S. Ambassador to Ukraine Stephen Pfeiffer says Ukraine wants to join NATO because membership comes with military protection. 
I think there's a belief in Ukraine, which is correct, that if Ukraine were, in fact, anchored in NATO, the Russians would not attack. And so we're looking really, I think, beyond this current war. The chief of staff for Ukraine's president also said officials from a number of countries are preparing to meet in Saudi Arabia to discuss a peace plan for Ukraine that would hinge on the departure of all Russian troops. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer is urging the House to include the Fendoff Fentanyl Act in its defense bill when members return in September. Calling this a breakthrough moment in the fentanyl crisis, the Democrat from New York says the act will dramatically cut the amount of fentanyl coming into the New York area and the rest of the country. The bill would allow the president to declare a state of emergency and put tough sanctions on China for sending us the precursor chemicals and Mexico for making those chemicals into fentanyl. The legislation is part of the bipartisan defense bill passed by the Senate last week. Global News 24 hours a day, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries. I'm Michael Bard. This is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thank you, Michael. Time now for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Good morning, John Stanshaw. Good morning, Nathan. Aaron Judge back playing for the Yankees in a home run Saturday and yet not in the lineup last night in Baltimore, not even as a DH. A lot of people wondering why. As it turned out, hardly mattered. Not when Luis Severino's giving up seven runs in the first inning. The Orioles went on to win 9-3. to And Severino, who in his first seven seasons with the Yanks only once had an ERA of more than three and a half, now has an ERA of seven and a half. This was his fourth start where he had allowed at least seven runs. The only good news for the Yankees, the Astros, Blue Jays, and Red Sox, who are all ahead of them in the wild card chase, all also lost. Mets won, beat the Nationals at City Field 5-2. Career win number 250 for Justin Verlander, who was then asked about his future in New York in light of the Mets' recent trades of Max Scherzer and David Robertson. When you see that happen, um, you know, you can't help but think, uh, um, you know, what's what's in store for next year. Um, and, uh, you know, we play this game to win. You want to win a championship and you want to um, you know, have the opportunity to do so. So uh, it changes my opinion a little bit. Yeah. Mets GM Billy Epler insists the Mets' recent moves are not a fire sale. Scherzer traded to Texas. The Rangers have now also acquired the ex-Yankee Jordan Montgomery from St. Louis. Aaron Rodgers coming to the defense of his Jets offense coordinator Nathaniel Hackett, who last year was the head coach in Denver, a job that now belongs to Sean Payton, who recently said Hackett last year did the worst coaching job in NFL history. Rodgers, who's close to Hackett from their time in Green Bay, called Peyton insecure. Jets play the Browns Thursday in Canton, Ohio. Zach Wilson will start at quarterback. Rodgers, as expected, will not play. John Stashdale with Bloomberg Sports. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight, athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 
5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. From coast to coast, from New York to San Francisco, Boston to Washington, D.C., nationwide on Sirius XM, the Bloomberg Business App, and Bloomberg.com, this is Bloomberg Daybreak. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager at the start of another very busy week in the markets. We have about a third of S&P 500 listed companies reporting earnings this week. Apple and Amazon will be the big ones to watch later on in the week. Traders could also be looking for more clues on the policy path with the first of two monthly jobs reports before the Fed's next decision in September. Lots to discuss this morning with Dennis Gartman, the former publisher of the Gartman Letter, now chairman of the University of Akron Endowment Investment Committee. And Dennis is here with us now. Good morning. Thanks for being here. So it has been a tech-driven rally that has dominated this year. Can earnings continue to power stocks higher, Dennis? <laughs> That's a good question. And it's a question beyond my can at this point. I have been surprised by the strength in the stock market, to be quite honest. Shocked, to be even more blunt. It has surprised me beyond belief. The fact that we've got uh, the CNN Fair and Greed Index has gotten to 85. It's actually dropped a little bit, but uh, the put-call ratio is historically low. The uh, fact that the leading economic indicators have fallen below the coincident indicators, all, all of these things are indicative of a market that is overbought and due for a substantive slide. But nonetheless, the market continues to go higher, and earnings continue to beat on uh, most uh, instances. So I'm surprised, I'm shocked, I'm stunned. And I'm wrong, but am I going to go and be a buyer of stocks at this level? No, it's uh, way beyond anybody's wildest imagination as to where they have where stocks could go. And I will stand on the sidelines and watch from the from the sidelines. Well, we did get some, I guess, rationalization on this rally this morning from uh, Mike Wilson, who's also been pretty bearish, the uh, analyst at Morgan Stanley. He's comparing what we've seen this year to 2019, calling it policy-driven late-cycle phenomenon. Uh, yes. Could that be a, a, a possible justification for you as well? Uh, it's very much a justification. It, it, clearly, uh, there has been governmental policies that have been in, incumbent in the, in the strength of the stock market. But most importantly, I guess it's the, the amount of cash that's been sitting upon the or that was sitting upon the sidelines, a lot of which has been uh, put into the to the market in the past uh, several weeks, several months. But yeah, it's been policy driven. It's been earnings driven, and it, strangely enough, it's been economically driven. The economy has proven to be far more resilient, far stronger than I had thought it would be. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, I'll, I'll go with history and say that uh, as long as the leading economic indicators continue to fall below the coincidence, as long as the put-call ratio continues to be as low as it is, and as long as the CNN Fear and Greed Index continues to be as high as it is, I'll either stand upon the sidelines or, or, or be short. I'm modestly short in my own account, and the operative word here is modestly. How do you expect policy to go at this point when we have seen continued strength in the economic data and at the same time we continue to hear uh, policymakers like Neil Kashkari just yesterday leaving open the possibility of yet more rate hikes? There, <clears throat> I, I've always thought that once we got to five and a quarter, five and a half, that would probably be about the end of it. When I first, uh, when the Fed began the pro process of, of raising interest rates almost a year and a half ago, 
I wrote at that time that what we have to remember is historically the Fed, once they change policy and move from a new to a new direction, take rates much farther for a longer period of time than anybody wants to anticipate. When we were at zero, I said we'd go to 5%. It was laughable at the time. Here we are at five and a quarter, five and a half. Maybe there's one more tightening to, to be incumbent in the Federal Reserve, but I, I have my doubts as to whether that's that's likely or not. Time time only shall tell. We'll see what happens with the next two uh, employment numbers that are coming out, the first one coming out this week. I haven't done my work yet to figure out what uh, what I'm going to anticipate for the, for the non-farm payrolls number, but it's probably going to be a high number. Uh, there's probably one more, maybe at most two more increases in the overnight Fed funds rate. But the market is already looking towards the Fed easing monetary policy, and that's not going to happen until very late in 2024, maybe even 2025, before the Fed begins the policy of, of reducing the overnight Fed funds rate. Got about a minute left here, Dennis. We did get another surprise overnight from the Bank of Japan with this bond-buying intervention. Do you see a read-through to the U.S. market from what the BOJ is doing? It's For the first time in, in a very long period of time, the, the, the BOJ is actually tightening monetary policy slightly. They're going to be, I think the term that uh, Mr. Ueda used was flexible. They're going to be flexible in allowing rates to go higher. But uh, Japan being one of the largest buyers of, of, domestic, of, of U.S. Uh, debt securities, if they're going to be uh, allowing rates to go higher over there, they're going to be allowing rates to go higher over here as money comes out of the United States and moves to Japan at the margin. So it's not supportive of the U.S. bond market. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Today, your morning brief on the stories making news from Wall Street to Washington and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed at 6 a.m. Eastern each morning on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning starting at 5 a.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.